Hello and welcome to the Hurt Take. Ladies and gentlemen, folks, thank you for coming back. It's your boy, Reese Dope again. What a strange fucking weekend. Just gonna, I'm just going to start it off with that. What a strange, strange weekend for our sport. The sport of mixed martial arts has always been a bit of the bastard stepchild of sports in general. I still, to this day, my father will refer to it as your sport. With all the toxic, condescending... Oh, every, it's just the worst, right? Your parents hate, hate it. And then you have weekends like this where you can't... There is nothing that you could ever say to defend it. Against any detractor, anyone who has who doesn't like it, because this kind of thing happens. I mean, this was an absolutely insane weekend for mixed martial arts for all the wrong reasons. I mean, we live in a strange universe right now where the president of the United States is tweeting out his opinions unfiltered so we're living in a strange world and then and then you have this weekend where somebody taking a dump on the mat doesn't seem all that weird so we had a very strange weekend obviously the highlight was supposed to be bellator new york city their big pay-per-view, their big drop into Madison Square Garden, an absolutely stacked card for them, which, of course, now, in hindsight, we realize, was it stacked? Was it really? Of course not. Don't, don't believe the hype, people. I say, I'm saying, I'm gonna, I'm using it. I'm going with that. Don't, don't believe the hype. We got to be able to look at things on paper and be able to judge them for what they are, okay? Bellator New York City had some promising fights, but when you actually went fight by fight, you realized there was a lot of fluff on there. And and we're talking like old fluff. Like your parents just gave you their old couch and you ripped it and you're pulling out the and it's like, "Uh, this is actually fluff from the 60s." So ultimately, I can't even say ultimately. You know what? I was going to say ultimately a disappointing card, but I wasn't even disappointed. I was actually entertained. I was entertained like I was watching a terrible movie, which is in, of a, in and of itself a, a form of entertainment. The, it, was, it was kind of fun because it was so bizarre and it was so silly and somewhat surreal. This is kind of what I hope Mayweather versus McGregor ends up being. So that all the hype and everybody, your brothers, sisters, friends, cousin, everyone who's never watched the sport of mixed martial arts before will tune in and realize that they were suckered. And I'll sit there and I'll cackle and I'll laugh and then I'll realize that I'm watching it with them and I fell for it too. But let's get into it. So the big premium fight on this card 
wasn't even on the main card. Everyone figured this, the, the real prestige fight was Ryan Bader versus Phil Davis. Two UFC cast-offs, found new life in Bellator. Inarguably, these guys are top five light heavyweights. If not, if, if, out of the top five, they're definitely top ten. And the question was, could it be less boring than their first tilt in the UFC? And we got our answer. No. It could be much more boring. And it wasn't even like this was a fight where I thought, you know, these guys are older, they're slower, they're a bit wiser. And so, okay, it was, these guys are essentially in the primes of their careers. Unless the UFC knew what it was knew what it was doing and let them go right before, and it was just boring. It's boring. Bader took it. Great. I'm not a super surprise. Uh, Davis's stand-up game has always been. He, it's like to say that his stand-up is a work in progress is an insult to progress. He is never going to be an amazing striker, and sadly. His striking game isn't even that complimentary to what he wants to achieve and what he does as a wrestler. He's one of the best chain wrestlers in the sport, and yet he's got this strange, funky kickboxing style that just... It's almost like he's an outfighter, which just doesn't make any sense. That's not really the range that you want to be at if you want to get in close. And So he lost. Bader took it. So that was the first fight. Not too promising. Then we got Lorenz Larkin and Douglas Lima. Finally, this was a real contest. I know some people, Crate from Abe wasn't a fan, thought it was just like Bader and Davis, but at least these guys, at least these guys, there was action. There was some technique on display. There was some momentum. There was a bit of a question of, you know, Lorenz Larkin seemed to not be able to figure out Lima. Um, Larkin got caught early in the fight. Lima clipped him at the perfect moment with a counter left hook. The old Larkin didn't close the door. So essentially when when you're in an exchange, the left hook is one of the best counters against an orthodox opponent because an orthodox opponent is not going to close the door on their combo. They're not going to bring their guard back up on their right hand. So a left hook is a great, it sneaks in there, it's quick, it's a short punch, and it catches a lot of guys. Larkin got caught. He didn't close the door. You know, and it sucks because Larkin was starting to push at that point. Like he, it was at that point I thought, oh, maybe he's going to start. And he didn't close the door, got clipped, went down, managed to stay in the fight, but he, he did not seem to get much going after that. He spent a lot of the fight pawing, just trying to gauge the distance, and then exploding into combos. Uh, but then sometimes he just wouldn't pull the trigger and, and nothing would happen. Meanwhile, Lima sort of just used bread and butter stuff. I mean, he just used this jab really effectively. Uh, he would use all a variety of right kicks. Um, he was, you know, open side kicks. Um, you know, they're longer kicks because when you're, when you're standing in an open side striking competition, orthodox guy versus a, a southpaw, the kicks are longer, uh, but they're to the exposed side of the body. And he was using those quite effectively. 
And that was really all it seemed to be he was doing. You know, the the jab and the right kicks, low kicks, body kicks. It was a good com- competitive scrap, and unfortunately, uh, it, it halts Lee, uh, Larkin's momentum. I think a lot of people were kind of hoping he'd assert himself. Um, ultimately, he didn't. It was very strange. He just did not seem to be able to figure out Lima's game, uh, which is too bad. He's a, he's a fantastic fighter, and hopefully, you know, he can he can make the move. It appears that Rory McDonald will be next for Douglas Lima, and you got to think that with with the sheer volume of tools that Rory McDonald has, the fact that Rory is not a guy who can be pressured very easily. He's a guy who will be able to figure you out if you're only using a couple tools in your in, in, in your toolbox. You got to think that he'll be able to figure out what Lima is doing. And he even said so after the fight. He even, you know, he pointed out he was not impressed with that, with, with either one of those guys. So we'll see where he goes from that. Uh, We'll be very excited for that fight. Big fan of Rory McDonald as a Canadian. Got to stand up for our Canadians, you know? We're not all that polite. Rory McDonald essentially said he wants to bury them all. Dig graves. That is not a very Canadian thing to do, Rory, and we love it. One of the big stories on the Bellator card was the debut of Aaron Pico. Well, it was a hell of a debut for all the wrong reasons. Uh, Pico lost to Zach Freeman, who, if you've never heard of him, you're not the only person. 24 seconds. Some people are calling this a shock. Who who did this shock, really? Who did this shock? I will say again, don't, don't believe the hype. If you believe the hype, you will be shocked. But this was a guy making his MMA debut. So in reality, he shocked the 25 people who bought the hype of marketing and ESPN articles. Great. He's got a lot of experience, but he was making his MMA debut. Got dropped with an uppercut. Not, I mean... I, I can't say for sure, but Zach Freeman, the uppercut, great tool to use if you're expecting Aaron Pico, who has a great wrestling pedigree, to come in there and, and try to be a takedown guy. You probably throw the uppercut early and often. Try to catch him coming in. Ultimately, Pico wasn't really dropping levels necessarily for a takedown, but it caught him. You know, and here's one thing. Matt Schaub, after the fight, is talking about how if we're if we're all talking up Aaron Pico... Zach Freeman, by extension, needs to get the same kind of elevation and love. What? Please. You, you sell wolf tickets with Aaron Pico, then you're going to turn around and sell wolf tickets on the cat who skinned him. What? Give me a break. Zach Freeman is going to disappear into obscurity again. He'll have a nice little highlight on his reel. He knocked out a guy making his MMA debut. There's, there's nothing else you can really say. He knocked out a prospect. Prospects get knocked out all the time. 
hopefully Pico can recover, move forward, and live up to the expectations that have been heaped on him, but who knows. Then we had Michael Chandler. Oh, gosh. Michael Chandler and Brett Primus. I don't even know. This is where the night started going bad. Because you think to yourself, well, they just lost their big prospect. They just, they, one of their big acquisitions just lost. Two of their big acquisitions just had a boring fight. Well, now the face of Bellator, one of their longtime champion guys who's had some of the most iconic fights in the promotion. Now you're thinking, now we're going, now we're cooking with fire. Cooking with fire? Yeah, we're cooking with fire. Now we're cooking with gas. What, is he, what does he do? What happens? He breaks his fucking ankle. Oh, my God. The strange thing is, I'm desensitized. I can see blood. I can see... I remember Marvin Eastman years and years and years and years and years and years ago. They had to... They peeled the skin off of his, his friggin' eyebrow. That did not bother me. But watching Michael Chandler flop around on his ankle almost made me pass out. It reminded me... Jamie Varner did this years ago. That almost made me pass out. This almost made me pass out. It's just the repeated flopping. Like, it... It was horrendous. It was horrendous. The ref then stopped the fight to take a look at it. So it seemed that they didn't realize that, that, that he just had to stop the fight right then. He, if, he was, if he stopped the fight, the ref then just have to, had to wave it off. He didn't do that. He seemed to be moving towards... Hey, let's look at it. Maybe we'll keep going. But it was busted. Another screw-up by the New York uh, State Athletic Commission, who, the day before, had managed to catch a guy with the most blatant weigh-in cut scandal of all time. So good for them on that. But then they screwed this up. Then, to make it way, way worse, Chandler stands up off the stool to pump up the crowd, and when he goes to sit back down, some ass clown had pulled the stool out from beneath him and he crashed into the cage I mean how fitting was that did that not just sum up Michael Chandler's night did that not just sum up that whole situation did that not just feel like what happened to you as a viewer at that point in the night that's when you knew the chair has been pulled out from underneath us And then the post-fight, I mean, it was just... It was a bit of a a foobar. You know, so just when you imagined that the night couldn't get any worse, you realized it was only then that we were coming to the freak fights! All this terrible... Embarrassing stuff had happened, and then we made it to the freak fights. All this happens, and then whoop! A double knockdown in the Mitrione Fedor Emelianenko fight leads to the finish. Like a Laurel and Hardy routine. Whoop! They both throw a punch and lay each other out. I literally burst out laughing. My wife looked at me. She was like, what are you doing? I was like, I'm sorry. This is just the funniest thing I'd ever seen. 
you gotta think that this is that this would be it for Fedor. I mean, apparently he wants a rematch. Sure, okay. Put this one in Russia, and he still loses. I, I don't know where he, in his mind, a rematch comes from. But Mitrione did his thing after the fact on the mic. Mitrione is the best kind of jock. Kind of feels like he acts dumb, to be honest but is actually really, really sharp and self-aware and super goofy as a result. You know, what, do, what he said, something like, I looked up and I was like, oh, he's on his back, I better up and punch that cat. And hats off to him, classy, Mitrione, um, talking about the GoFundMe page for Tim Haig's son. And that, that's what I mean, Mitrione is, for all the shit he got, when he was on Tough, he's actually a really interesting guy. So I hope he keeps on fighting. I hope he keeps on fighting and uh, we get to see more of Matt Mitrione. He's always good for a laugh. Then, of course, the fight. I mean, oh God, are we going to talk about Chael Sonnen versus Vanderlei Silva? Yeah, I guess we are. Shocker. Chael Sonnen hit the double leg within 10 seconds of the damn fight. At one point, they went into a guillotine position, Vanderlei holding Sonnen's head for literally a minute. Big John McCarthy was actually saying to them, let's get something going. I, thankfully, he didn't stand them up because if he stood them up, that would be just one of those situations where you're like, I mean, one guy's actually in a submission attempt, regardless of how deep it is or not. To stand them up in that situation would just be irony. And of course, as soon as they did get up out of that position, Sonnen blasted the double leg again and put Vanderlei on his back. And that was pretty much the fight. So bad. Oh, it was awful. And it was exactly what we expected. Why? Because don't don't believe the hype. We knew that was going to be what it was. And then, of course, Sun and After in the press conference, I love that he called out Rory McDonald. Believe me, I do. But, like, what did we expect? He said and did all the things that we were expecting he would do. You know, it's great that he's doing the, the Canadian's job for him to set up a future high-profile fight, but I refuse I refuse. If this happens, I refuse to call this a super fight. Fight between men outside their traditional weight class who have high profiles and big names are not super fights all the time, people. You know, Ant-Man versus Hawkeye. Not a super fight. Cyclops versus Gambit. Not a super fight. Professor X versus Magneto. Iron Man versus Captain America. Those are the super fights, people. Not Chael Sonnen versus Rory McDonald. You know, at, at best, Rory McDonald is an Iron Man or a Professor X. You know what I'm saying? Like, but Chael Sonnen is not any of those guys anymore. So that was Bellator New York City. Bit of a dud. Unfortunate. Entertaining. For all the wrong reasons. Then there's a UFC card. The next night. 
and it did not do our sport any more favors. To start, uh, you know, mere uh, mere hours before the Bellator card started, Johnny Hendricks does what Johnny Hendricks is want to do, and shows up fat. This is a guy. His career right now is stuck between a rock and twelve pounds of Oklahoma barbecue. Come came in overweight, which is incredible that he did that. I mean, jumping up in weight to a new weight class and missing weight. My God. Then he actually went out there and showed why the jump up to 185 will always be difficult for him. His frame is just not suited for it. He was outkicked by Tim Bosch. Tim Bosch used range striking to beat Johnny Hendricks. That's like... That's like being gummed to death by a dolphin or losing a rap battle to a ventriloquist. It can happen, but it's just kind of embarrassing. You know, a lot has been made about Johnny Hendricks' career drop-off since USADA came into the picture. I mean, a lot of that speculation, he's never tested positive, right? We don't know, but it's, it's undeniable that he has lost something somewhere. And I don't think he's ever going to get it back. He's just not the same fighter. So that was that was really disappointing showing for him. At the top of the card, we had Michael Chiesa and Kevin Lee bringing their grudge match, their rivalry to a head. Mothers everywhere were frothing at the mouth but they were sorely disappointed. Kevin Lee and his his lack of respect for mothers everywhere took the night. A controversial stoppage. There's no denying that. To Yamasaki's credit, Kiesa appeared to stop defending the choke, and the choke was under his chin. He let go of the hands, and his hands kind of were just there, floating... I guess Yamasaki must have heard Kiesa's mother in the front row screaming for him to save her son. Who knows? That's my child! This is my child, please! Dana White did what Dana White has wanted to do and ripped Yamasaki after the fact on social media. Called him, called him Mario Mazzagatti, which I gotta, I gotta give it to Mr. White on that one. That was good. Now I will. I'm gonna put in the um, prerequisite defending of the of the of the referees. They have a hard ass job, man. They have a hard ass job. Like most people would, uh, most people would say, you let him go out, you let him go out, or you let him fight through it. But some people think, you know, you got to protect the fighters. Where's the line? It's always gonna be moving. It's always gonna be moving. Got to think that uh, Kevin Lee gets a, a step up in competition. He called out Khabib Nurmagomedov. I buy that fight. I would. I would definitely buy that fight. Um, I don't know. You know what? At this point, honestly, Khabib needs to just take a fight. I don't care who it is. He just needs to take a fight with somebody. He needs to take a fight with a person who has a pulse. Because. 
at this rate, I mean, he's going to have like two more fights and then he's going to be a 90-year-old man retiring to Dagestan to CrossFit, chain, uh, cross, CrossFit train children. Who knows? But he also said he was open to a rematch with Kiesa. I don't see it happening. <laughs> he was winning that fight even before they got to the ground. He was lighting Kiesa up, really pummeling him on the ground. And, I mean, he got the choke in. You know, who's to say that he wasn't going to get that finish legitimately two seconds later? So. Now, those are the big highlights. But we're going to break down. There's so much that happened this week. I'm going I'm to break some things down point by point. Quick fire. Rapid fire, baby. Other things to note. Mario, Mario, it's not Mario, Mario Ronaldo was great, Matt Schaub was good, and Mike Goldberg was his usual self. I felt like at some point he was going to say, he uses kicks, punches, knees, and elbows to strike his opponent effectively in the face, body, or legs. I honestly thought he was going to say that. He didn't, thankfully. And, and admittedly, he was better behind the table as a host than he is as a, as a play-by-play guy. Admittedly. Justine Keish shit herself. So that happened. Not the first time it's happened in the cage, but that's the first time I've seen the shit on the mat. There was shit everywhere. Tim Means continues his dirty bird ways, and I can't get enough of Tim Means. I will watch any fight Tim Means is in. There was a Carla Esparza sighting! There was a Clay Greed sighting! Eric Koch. Remember him? You don't? Proceed with your life unchanged. BJ Penn, remember him. You do? Keep it in the past. Remember the good times. The last thing I want to talk about, we live in a very young sport, comparatively. And the news cycle moves quickly. But in some sports, it moves Rapid fire. There's, there's so much news every single day. Things dropping. MMA, not so much. So when you see a headline that says TJ Dillashaw no longer going to fight Demetrius Johnson and you think to yourself, uh, what? And you click on it and it says, according to a report from ESPN's Brett Okamoto, former bantamweight champion, TJ Dillashaw will not be fighting Mighty Mouse for the flyweight belt. You kind of have to think to yourself, yeah, we know. He wasn't fighting him three weeks ago. Uh, He wasn't fighting him on Friday. Uh, He wasn't fighting him 12 seconds before the story broke. He was never scheduled to fight him. I'm so glad ESPN cleared that up that he's not fighting him. 
What, what kind of a headline is that? What kind of news is that? It's not even news. You know, I don't often agree with President Trump. But there are some journalists out there who give their profession a bad name. Brett Okamoto is not one of them. I'm just saying, whoever thought that that was a story worthy of a headline, that abs. Good for you. It only symbolized the absolute insanity that was this weekend in the world of mixed martial arts. And we love it! Love it! I certainly love it. I keep tuning in. Because I gotta get my fix. Just like you need to get your fix right here on The Hurt Take. The MMA podcast for the fans, by the fans. I have been your host, Reese Dobigan. would like to thank you for joining us and invite you to come back next week to pull up a chair, pour yourself a nice glass of whiskey, kick up your feet, and talk about the wild world of mixed martial arts. Until then, 